Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Tech Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is A Taxing Experience, an interview with an accountant, Esther Buff. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is a tax accountant. Ms. Buff is a 28-year-old New York transplant living in San Diego, California. Before suffering a tick bite, Ms. Buff was living the West Coast dream. She was a top performer at work with an energetic and active social life. Shortly after a tick bite, Ms. Buff suffered a bullseye rash, which her primary care physician advised was not a concern. That was followed by two bouts of the flu, and then, after a long commute to work, paralysis from the waist down. Ms. Buff was not diagnosed with a tick disease until approximately one year after her paralysis event. She tested positive for Babesia by two tests, Igenix and MDL. After treating with antibiotics, herbal supplements, and altering her diet, Ms. Buff was able to regain approximately 80% of her pre-tick-backed life. Ms. Buff's experience with the pain and darkness of her tick disease inspired her to share her experiences on various social media platforms, including a beautiful Instagram, Lime with Salt. Her goal is to reach out to as many people as possible who feel isolated by their illness and to let them know the diagnosis that feels like a death sentence is not so. Welcome, Esther Buff. Esther, can you start by describing what your life was like before you started to feel ill? Sure. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about how I got to San Diego. Um, I was always a very impulsive, outgoing, fearless, uh, full of energy young woman. Um, and I decided, actually, against many odds, to I was going to school upstate New York at SUNY Plattsburgh, and I was very unhappy there. And I actually ended up dropping out um, against, <laughs> obviously, my parents' advice. Um, and I drove to San Diego, and I started with nothing. Um, I actually got there, and on my second day, <laughs> I broke my arm. So I had one arm and a resume full of waitressing experience, no job, and a place and no place in intact yet. My girlfriend and I just decided to wing it. Um, so that's just to kind of share the kind of grit we're talking about here. <laughs> um, and from that point, I got residency in California. I got back into school a year later after working two jobs, 70 hours a week, which felt like nothing. Um, and then I did, I worked all my way through school, um, graduated with a 3.5. I'm CPA eligible. So I've, I've been pretty rock solid my whole life. Um, and getting out to California and building the West Coast dream was one of my um, greatest accomplishments. So you were really thriving when you, when you went out to California. Can you describe for us what it was like when you first started to feel sick? Sure. Um, I wrote it off as maybe this is how everyone feels after they graduate college. <laughs> um, I wrote it off as uh, maybe it was the accounting lifestyle and sitting too much because it started very slowly and it crept up and there was always just one thing here or one thing there that was easy to excuse, like maybe some twitching muscles or a little bit foggy in the head, but nothing was concrete or solid enough to really shock me. It, it felt like a very slow creep up of getting sick. Um, and then as you discussed, when I got hit with the flu two times after getting bit by the tick, uh, my entire system, that was the true um, paralysis. That was the wall that I hit. Um, so I really, 
it was a very slow process until then. Esther, can you talk more about the tick bite? You mentioned that uh, you, you know when you were bitten by the tick. Can you speak more about that experience? I can. Um, I try not to hold a lot of regret, but it's hard not to um, because I had a bullseye rash, which actually I've learned is not not everybody gets a bullseye rash. So in that sense, I was lucky. I had an indicator, but where I went wrong... <laughs> And I don't know how this happens if I grew up born and raised in New York 20 years, but I had no idea that a bullseye rash was a guaranteed indicator of Lyme disease. I thought I was told that by my very smart nurse friend, um, but I thought it was an overgeneralization. I couldn't fathom that a rash could equate to a disease. Um, so 10 days after the bite, I went to my primary care physician and explained what happened and hoped I could use his guidance to get me the right care. Um, but that did not happen because he told me I didn't need to worry about it. So um, because you were primary care physician told you you're okay, you believe you're okay? Yeah, I, I went in 10 days after the bite. I told him I was bit. There's a lot of Lyme disease in Albany, New York. Uh, I don't. I didn't know much about Lyme disease, and I didn't research as much as I should have when I was bit, um, but I went to him and explained that there was a lot of it in Albany, and I had just come back from Albany, and when you go online right now, <laughs> you will see that it's very easy to find on Google that, okay, person is bit with tick in endemic area and bullseye rash, like there's no question about it, um, but he told me that um, Lyme disease testing was not necessary and that I was young and healthy and going to stay that way. So, Esther, can you give us, uh, fill in the, the, the timeline between when you first saw your primary care physician and when you started to have the symptoms? Sure. So, I was bit in June of 2017. Let's say it, it was the 17th around that time. I went hiking. I'm not quite sure what part of Albany I was bit, but we'll just call it the 17th. I saw him the 27th of June 2017, and and got nothing out of that appointment. And then, um, over the summer, now, um, this is a little bit of a side note, but many people think that, um, tax accountants are only busy in April, but we're actually busy like six times a year. <laughs> and summer is like the second busiest time of the year. So I was working a lot of hours after the tick bite. And my vision started to get blurry, but I thought I was staring at the computer too long or working too many hours or sitting too long and not, you know, getting up and moving like I should. Um, I am a runner, but I do, I have like workaholic syndrome. Like I really get in the zone because I've just always been so driven um, that it's to my own detriment. So I worked really hard that summer and then around September, in October, I wasn't feeling myself, but I really just thought I was aging, <laughs> which is crazy because I was only 26. <laughs> so, Esther, do you think the hours that you were working and the way you were driving yourself had an impact on your immune system's capacity to manage the bacteria? I do. I really, um, I wish that I could tell everyone that all my life I've been like this amazing health, like, and wellness, um, believer, not guru, because I definitely don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. I'm just trying. Um, I've been more of a junk food queen and, um, work hard, party hard, um, I'll sleep when I'm dead. So I really was never that kind to my immune system, which, 
this was a hard lesson to learn, um, but we've learned that, and I'll never do that again. But I think I did a lot of things that, you know, I didn't really understand health as a full picture function. Like, I understand health as a reactive or preventative. I didn't understand that everything I do throughout my day, if I sit too long or if I have a really long, I was driving 66 miles round trip to work. Like, that's not healthy. It's just not. <laughs> so, tell, tell us about the paralysis event that brought you to change uh, everything you were doing. So, in late February of 2018, I was commuting to work for a long time. Um, right out of college, I'll tell you a little bit about my first tax accounting job. I worked at a public accounting firm, and they are not known for work-life balance at all. I worked 80 hours a week for about 10 months straight. And fortunately, my, um, my goddess of a boss, who I work for now, she was actually from that company, and she got me my current job, which is at a place that allows me to work at least 40 hours a week, which is more sustainable. But the problem was is that this job was farther away from my home, but I chose it so that I could work less. So then I, at that point in February of 18, I was commuting. I had been commuting maybe a year and a half at 66 miles a day, five days a week. Um, and I think my body was just done because I stepped out of my car in the morning and I, I could, I was in, I could barely walk. It was shooting up my spine. It was shooting down my leg. And what's so weird is I'm, I was running like five days a week. I had been healthier, like input wise. I was healthier than I've ever been in my life when I was bit by this tick. But the weirdest thing was that I was like, how am I eating better? I'm, I'm not drinking as much anymore. Like, college days are behind me. I'm more conscious about my life, but my health is failing. Like, what am I doing wrong? And then I step out of my car that one day, and, and everything was paralyzed. And I went to the doctor. Um, I thought I had an ovarian cyst because the pain was pelvic and in my groin and in my hip, which is very common for Lyme. Um, and it was on the right side. He did all these tests, and he's like, well, they all came back positive, so I don't know what to tell you. Like, maybe you're just sitting too much. I think you should do some more yoga. And, like, I could barely walk, and and then I just felt crazy. So I just kept running. <laughs> one, one commonality we're finding with a lot of our guests is that where they're bit by the tick seems to be where they exhibit the most pain, and also that side of their body is the side that is worse. Is that what you think? Yes. One hundred, three hundred percent. I've never really like been a science person because I just I'm a math person. But I'll tell you, I've really nerded out online because like it's so crazy to watch my symptoms. They are all around that where I was bit. If I didn't have that rash, I didn't take a picture of it. I wish I did, but it's it's forever ingrained in my brain. I'll never forget it, and I know exactly where it was. And even like my muscles will like twitch in that area. It's just like it's like. It's like an alien plague. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> but, like, for, for a disease that's so hard to test and get definitive answers from a doctor, if I didn't have those weird symptoms, I wouldn't have had a saving grace. But at some point, these symptoms started speaking so loud, I couldn't, like, lie to myself anymore. So tell us more about your, your diagnostic journey, Esther. How did you go from the tick bite to the 
doctor giving you, um, you know, the false uh, comfort that you're okay to all of these symptoms resulting in your diagnosis. Okay. Um, so in June was when he wrote me off, said it was no big deal, and then my health started to decline a little bit. Um, a separate fact is that San Diego that year had a hepatitis A outbreak, and so I'm not really one to just be getting vaccines on the regular, but our, there was people out there bleaching the streets for weeks, so it's kind of a big deal here. So I got a Hep A vaccine, and I have a feeling that really affected my immune system a lot, um, because that was in September, and then I got the follow-up in around February, March, and February, March is when everything just hit the fan. Um, so that happened as my health declined and my health really, really started declining in January of 2018. Like I couldn't, I wasn't aware of how bad or I didn't, I didn't even know I was really sick until I caught the two flus at work. I never get sick. I never get the flu shot and I never catch the flu, but it was a really bad flu season. So I was like, okay, I guess it's just a really bad flu, but I caught it twice. And that's when my best friend started to notice, like, Esther, you don't really ever get sick, you know. And then the February thing happened where I was in the paralysis and the pain, and he said, well, you know, these tests came back normal, so I don't know what to tell you. So then April and May, I ran at probably every day for two months because it was the only thing that took away my pain. And no one could give me answers, and I didn't know what else to do except run, and I didn't really know... I was sick, and then I went home for another visit to Albany in June of 2018, and my good friend, my nurse, that my uh, God-sent nurse friend, she noticed a huge bald spot behind my ear, and I feel like it was so abnormal that I had arthritis that whole year, and then the pain and everything, but I just kept writing it off and saying, like, oh, like, the doctor's are saying it's nothing, so it must be nothing. When we found the bald spot, I just started bawling and crying because I knew something was really, really wrong. So even though I kind of, in the moment of being told I was bald, I wasn't happy and kind of wished my friend didn't tell me. Um, but two days later, I went into the integrative doctor's office in Del Mar, New York, and got the huge blood panel that I needed to find out that I have Lyme. Esther, did you exhibit any other symptoms like light sensitivity, anxiety out of the blue? Um, you know, anxiety. You know, the loss of vision you mentioned. Any other symptoms you can speak about that you had prior to your diagnosis? Anxiety and like loneliness and and really like dark thoughts. But I just thought I was like kind of stuck in my own job or like going through a quarter life crisis or. I thought something was wrong with like all these other pieces and it wasn't, and I didn't feel like myself, but I had no explanation. So I just was like, oh, it's just me. Like running always helped my mental health a lot. That's why I'm a runner, not because I'm a health freak. I, like I mentioned before, I didn't build my immune system very well, but running really clears my mind. And that was the only thing I had that saved me from that. I think the psychological impact of Lyme is indescribable. It's it's dark. So, Esther, w one of the things that um, we've been talking with folks about, and including Dr. Rawls, is that uh, part of the reason why the immune crisis has surfaced is because we are not living rigorously enough, and because we're not getting enough exercise, our immune system is not as healthy as it should be. 
Uh, do you think perhaps your running is one of the things that helped you to protect your immune system? I think that running, and I say this to everyone all the time, I think it saved me. Like, I'm describing my pain, and it was real, but I think it would have been much worse had I not been running the whole time. I truly do. Do you think that perhaps your your Lyme disease and your Babesia may have been uh, more extreme, or you would have suffered um, greater uh, losses physical losses had you not been rigorously exercised. Yeah, I do believe that. Um, I've read a lot of contradicting um, things because I do read a lot that um, aerobic is not as good as anaerobic for Lyme because of maybe cardiac reasons, and I do feel my heart kind of... (laughs) I have a lot of cardiac symptoms as well, believe it or not, but I just run anyways. Um, Um, but I, the best advice I ever received from my best friend nurse who worked for an LMD was to always keep your body moving. And at the point that she had told me that, I had already done that when I didn't know I was sick. So that's what motivated me to continue to just make sure I'm moving. And if I don't have the energy to run, then I need to walk the dog. And if I don't have the energy to walk the dog, I need to go up the stairs once. Like, it's movement definitely is very, very important. And I think the lack of movement leading, leading up to my sickness speaks very loudly to me. So, so when, once you got that Lyme diagnosis from the doctor up in Albany where your best friend worked, uh, how, how was it transitioning back to California and seeking, you know, medical advice and guidance back in California where you live? So what's funny is when I was first bit and I didn't believe my friend, she was like, you need to argue with the doctor because the San Diego is not going to, they don't understand Lyme disease as much and they're not going to believe you. But in my head, I was like, that sounds crazy to me. How could our health system be that much of a failure? There's no way. Like, why Why would I have to, you know, in my eyes, I felt rude to the doctor, disrespectful of his degree, like to be, to to argue with his decision to not test me. But she was right, and and there's a really big problem, and not everyone is educated enough about it, and it's a huge problem. And it it could have, it may not have, but it could have cured it. It could have cured my Lyme off the bat had that doctor been aware. And then so my or my friend Emily, she she warned me of that. And then when I actually got the blood test test results from the doctor in New York. I took them back to San Diego. Well, actually, I was back in San Diego when I got them, um, and then I had to start my doctor hunt. I had to fire my doctor that, well, I didn't fire my doctor that betrayed me immediately. He gave my blood work to an infectious disease doctor in San Diego who looked at my positive Babesia, and although um, my Lyme was CDC was not CDC positive, but it was alternative criteria positive from one of the labs. So the infectious disease doctors looked at my positive Babesia and a few bands of Lyme, so not five bands, but maybe like two, and said, there's nothing here that tells me she has Lyme. There's nothing to do here. I don't know why you want what you're talking about. And so then I fired both of them. I went to my insurance and had like a patient advocate assistant helped me find um, a new doctor and it just happened to be a blessing from God I think that the recommendation off of the ilads.org um, you can put your zip code in ilads.org to find out a Lyme literate doctor near you 
There happened to be one under my HMO, which if you know what an HMO is, you know that's a miracle. <laughs> um, so I just lucked out with that. And that was the doctor. That's my current doctor who who truly believed me and made the clinical diagnosis that, you know, although this, you have only a few Lyme bands and positive Babesia, I'm going to treat you for Lyme because you have Lyme and you were bit. Like, he was the only one that believed me. And so I think you hit on a really good point there. The first one is that if your doctor in California had detected the Lyme disease earlier on, you would have not have been as sick as you were and been fighting this, this you know, long-term illness that you have today. And the second one is that there's an organization out there, the International Lyme and Associated Disease Society, ILADS, who has a wonderful website. And if you go there, they can actually help you find a local Lyme litter doctor near you. And that seems like that's a service you took advantage of to find your doctor that really helps you on your journey to recover. Big time. That was a saving grace. I don't know what I would have done. I was very scared that I wouldn't find a doctor at all in San Diego because they just, the awareness was not there. The awareness isn't even where it should be in New York. So how could I expect to get it in San Diego? And the fact that that is even the situation is appalling. Like I, I, you know how I talk about the psychological effects of Lyme. To have your health system fail you that bad makes you feel crazy. And you already feel crazy because you have Lyme. And it's such an emotional problem, I think, challenge when you're coming to a New York doctor who says you have Lyme disease and you have Babesia, and then you come back to your, your primary care physician in California who refers you to an infectious disease doctor, and they're saying, no, you don't. And that's sort of an emotional roller coaster, right, to, to it, go from a diagnosis to not having a diagnosis. Yeah, it was an absolute controversy, and it was an emotional controversy and a political controversy, contradicting research, contradicting opinions of doctors. Who was I supposed to believe? And I, I mentioned this to you earlier offline that if I didn't test positive for Babesia, I don't know if I ever would have advocated for myself. I think that it's really hard because you have all these doctors that don't agree. They're not understanding what Lyme is. So how are you supposed to advocate for yourself when no one believes you? If I didn't have that positive Babesia count on my blood work, and, and I know that's lucky because sometimes it evades the blood work and sometimes it doesn't come up. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't know I had Lyme, but I couldn't doubt that I had Lyme if I had a co-infection. I just had to believe it and I had to look at my symptoms. And the fact that you were upstate New York in a tick-infested community and had the traditional bullseye rash that not everybody has, which is an indicator of you absolutely have Lyme disease, um, you know, th that in itself should have been an indicator, I think, for a diagnosis and treatment. So it just seems like, you know, you failed from the get-go. Now, when, once you started working with your Lyme litter doctor you found from ILAD, can you talk about how things changed then and how you started to really recover and heal from Lyme disease and Babesia? Yes. Um... It was really overwhelming to start treatment. I don't even begin, I can't even begin where to start with how overwhelming that was. And I'm sure anyone with Lyme listening can understand why, because the protocols are just so complex and almost like very out there and very alternative. And if you've never really been into alternative medicine and then you get diagnosed with Lyme, it's like, oh my gosh, do I believe this? Is this what I really should be doing? Why isn't the regular doctor, you know... Are, is this a lie? Am I being tricked? Am I paying money to these expensive doctors that aren't covered by insurance? Because why is it like that? But it is like that, and I don't know why it's like that, but it needs to change. Um, and so I find out I need four 
or no, see, three, I was on a cocktail of three antibiotics, all of these herbals and supplements and collagen and a special diet and all these tinctures and vitamins and everything. I had a whole list from my naturopathic doctor and a whole list from my um, regular literate or Lyme literate doctor. And he gave me something new every time I visited, too. So half the time I'm like, is this just a... A capitalism, a capitalism scan, like I'm just buying all of this stuff. Am I really sick? What's going on? But, you know, obviously I got through that stage because after three months I really started to see some improvement. But for the first three months of treatment, it just got worse. It was horrible. And I, I it was horrible. What I was trying to hang on. So what, what was happening with you and what were your symptoms that caused you to feel worse when you first uh, started your Lyme literate protocol? I, I started losing weight even though I was eating. I lost, like, I'm already a, a thin person. I've always been, like, 5'7 and 140, 130. Um, and I went down to, like, 125, and that's just not healthy at all. Like, I looked like a skeleton. I looked pale. My eyes were dark. Under my eyes were dark. Um, my thoughts got much worse. Like, I didn't want to try. I was so tired. Like, and I noticed that a lot. I didn't mention that when I, when I didn't know I was sick, the fatigue that hit me was crazy, but I didn't have, I thought it was because I was, you know, working myself too hard and studying, but it's, it's like no fatigue I've ever felt in my life. Like it is, at a cellular level, it is in your bones. It feels like 50 tons is just sitting on you. And no matter how determined and strong you are, because let me tell you, I'm really strong and determined, I couldn't get out of bed. And I couldn't try. And I couldn't work. And I just kept trying. And it was so hard. Esther, do you think that in the beginning, when you started to feel worse, that was a result of herxing? Are you familiar with herxing and what that is? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I I definitely think it was, and I tried to work through it at work. Um, I'm really blessed to work for such a great employer and great bosses that supported me and then encouraged me to make the decision to take a disability and FMLA for six weeks. Like, I probably could have taken it longer, but I didn't. I wanted to be back for the busy season, um, but I was lucky to take that break, but it just got worse when I took disability. I thought I would get better. And I remember the first day on disability, I just cried like a whole day. I was so alone. And no one was really there for me, like, because no one gets it. No one knows how to be there. I, I mean, my dad was there for me, but most of my real support was in New York. So it was very, very difficult in San Diego, which is the big reason why I started Lime with Salt. My heart was just really broken. So let's talk about that. You you have this beautiful Instagram, uh, your Lime with Salt, uh, which uh, moved both Matt and I when we uh, when we had when we had come across it. So you can share with us why you started that and and how you've been able to help people uh, avoid the uh, feeling so alone the way you had felt. Yes. Um. So yes, that started because I just. I had never felt so alone in my life, and it's a weird feeling, and I think it really has to do with just the saying you don't get it until you get it is because just no one can really understand what you're going through because Lyme is just a crazy concept, I guess, and they can't understand why someone who looks 
the way they looked fine on the outside could truly be in so much pain or or so in so much hurt. And I remember like a lot of like a big reason I started this Instagram to be totally candid, I'll share with you all <laughs> is that last night uh my boyfriend and I of four years broke up. So here I am <laughs> fighting anyways. But you know a lot of that stems from the fact that you really learn who is there for you and who is not when you are sick. And and it's a sad way to learn that, but I felt a hole in my heart. And I felt I wasn't myself either. I needed I needed emotional support. And I didn't really want to try and fight Lyme disease. Like when I found I've always been a perfectionist and I've been very bad with like the whole self like negative self talk because I'm just I'm always like hardcore. I just want to work my butt off and get it done and be hard on myself and just be a workhorse. But I I couldn't do it anymore and I just wasn't myself and I felt so alone. And when I got that diagnosis, I just felt tainted and I felt like I could never go back to who I was. And then I saw a few other pages online of, of beautiful women that were were strong and that that moved me it, it means so much to hear someone say that about my instagram so thank you but i felt that way um seeing a lot of different pages online and i felt if they can do it i can give it a shot and so i did and the responses i got made me keep it because it felt so warm to hear others who really understood my pain and it felt nice to be able to express empathy and understand what other people are going through because no one else could. So it was truly a win-win where you were, you were helping yourself and others and it was just a really positive experience and again, you know, we follow you, we still do and we, we will continue to follow you. It's just a great page. We recommend that everybody check it out. Um, oh, thank you. What are you, today, are you taking anything or doing anything to continue your your bettering your health, such as doing things like hot yoga, potentially taking probiotics, or you use the oil and you know, flare-up, uh, maybe using infrared saunas. Those are some things we hear a lot of patients continue to do in the long term, even after they, they've gotten over that, that, that hump to get better um, and, and progress their health. Yeah, I'll tell you, um, so the worst pain I've ever been in was shockingly, like, what's it, May? It was about three months ago in February of 2019, and I got very discouraged because it had been a year since the pain started, and it had been about mm, six months since the antibiotics started, and I got worse, like even six months in, and I couldn't even roll over in bed. I couldn't sleep because I couldn't even roll over, and I went to the chiropractor again. I tried that in 18, but I didn't consistently go, and then I gave it another shot and consistently went, and he told me that I think one of my legs was an inch longer than the other. I was very misaligned in my hips, and I think that my consistent visiting that, my pain has been lower than it's ever been in the past two years now. And I think that that really had a lot to do with it. I'm not advocating that chiropractic is a cure-all, but I think that personally for me, it really helped me. And the hot yoga and the infrared saunas during my treatment were my favorite things. Nothing feels better to me than to just sweat and sweat as much as possible. Even if you feel so tired, Go to hot yoga and just sit on your mat and just pour out sweat because I guarantee you, you're probably pouring out all those toxins and it's just, it always made me feel the best as difficult as it was. Um, and then I do take probiotics. I do take CBD. Um, 
the anxiety is still here. The low Lyme anxiety is pretty crazy. Never really dealt with it before, but it's like a physiological thing, but also in your head, it's very difficult. So does the CBD oil help with that anxiety? It does a lot, a lot. So, Esther, we um, really appreciate uh, you sharing as much as you have shared with us, but I'm going to ask you to share a little bit more. Um, if you had to start over again and you weren't sick, what advice would you give to folks about tick and tick diseases so that they can avoid the challenges that you face? Um, you just need to know that a bug can destroy your life despite popular um, knowledge. Like, I just wrote it off. Oh, you know, they told us to tick check, but no one told me why. These ticks carry diseases that can end your life. I mean, I don't want to say it, but it, it could happen. They are bad. And that pain I felt this year was so deep, and all it would have taken was education to save me from that. I'm 20, I'm 28. I shouldn't have arthritis. I shouldn't have to be, like, stretching all day like I'm 86. And that could have been prevented by mere education and awareness because you can't advocate for yourself if you're not aware and you're not educated. So just to other people, please listen to our stories. Please believe us that it's real and just be careful. I saw a great tip the other day on Facebook, uh, a lint roller. It was like so simple, so clever, so genius. I think it was some Indiana um, tick page. I can't remember. But you could take a lint roller after you go outside and there was a picture of a lint roller just covered in ticks. Like it's crazy. We don't realize how many of these bugs are just everywhere. And you just need to protect yourself and be careful and advocate for yourself at the doctor's office because until we fight hard enough that the CDC acknowledges Lyme and that we get more funding and that we get a test, it is going to be a difficult battle, but you need to believe us. Just like Yolanda Hadid said, her book is wonderful, by the way. Well, thank you, Esther. I I just want to let you know that you've inspired both me and Matt. And you mentioned the beautiful women who have inspired you, and I want you to know you're one of the beautiful women that have inspired us and so many other people. So thank you for all that you've done and all that you are continuing to do. Thank you. Thank you all. You all gave me the strength I truly needed to fight. Um, I didn't have anyone, and I really didn't want to fight. So the whole Instagram community, I know it's just, like, funny to think about this whole weird influencer culture, but there really is a community on Instagram because I'll tell you, the people who I thought were closest to me never felt more distant when I was sick, and the people on Instagram saved me, sadly. Thank you for listening to the Tick Boot Camp interview with guest Esther Buff. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you would like to learn more about Esther Buff and her tick disease journey, please visit her Instagram, Lime with Salt. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Boot Camp podcast, our interview with Esther Buff, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates for our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave an honest review and rating on iTunes. This is a new effort on our part, and it would really help if you could give us some input so that we can create the show that you'd like to listen to. We make a point to read every single one of your reviews. Thank you for listening.